Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. apps or Bibles there, open them to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to begin at verse 13, and we're going to read through. We're going to connect stories, often connected, but I believe really should be connected. So let's hear the word of the Lord, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew Chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. And if you're able, would you stand in reverence to the reading of the gospel? Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all, uh, all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It's written, Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is, Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, Lent is one of those seasons of church that's a little difficult. In some ways, we've already talked about how this service as the beginning of Lent kind of sets it up with the limitations of our mortality and the limitations on our morality and causing us to wrestle with this. As I was trying to think about how I could put the season of Lent into a few sentences, I began to say that, or this came to me, that Lent is a season of inspection and introspection. Lent is a season of inspection and introspection. 
By inspection, I mean that during the season of Lent, we set aside this time specifically to allow Jesus to lovingly point out our sin. That's why we're taking this series, uh, that the heart matters, to let Him look at the sin in our lives, to point that out lovingly, that we're going to wrestle with these seven deadly sins, and tonight we'll begin that series. But inspection is allowing Jesus to lovingly point out our sin. Introspection is a little bit different. And that is sitting intentionally with Jesus in order to find out the motivations of sin in our lives or specific sins in our lives. So inspection looks at the what of sin. Introspection looks at the why of sin. And Lent is a season for both inspection, letting Jesus look at the sin in our lives, what is the sin, and then introspection, sitting with Jesus to find out why that is a struggle in our lives. And He is good and gentle and merciful at both. And yet, sincere and firm and clear in His truth. So this is, this is the season. And tonight we begin our series of looking at these seven deadly sins by looking at pride. Now remember, we said we were going to take sin seriously. That means we were going to look at it as personal. It is something that is real. It is something that deals with me. We're not going to say, I'm glad I don't struggle with that. That's about them. Uh, you know, oh, I know somebody. You know, maybe you're elbowing your spouse. We're not going to do that. We're going to look at it inside of us. And no matter how small it is, we want Jesus to be allowed to point that out. We, we're going to look at how it is pervasive. How pride can really begin to enter into all the many facets of your life and my life. And we're going to look at how it's poisonous. How it kills relationships. It enters healthy systems and breaks them down even to the point of death. And those relationships can be with others, with a healthy sense of ourself, and ultimately, if not dealt with, it breaks down and kills, destroys the relationship between us and God. So we want to look at this. When we look at something like pride, we see how sneaky this one is. Because in some ways, in our society today, we think it's a good thing to have pride in our work. But really what we're looking at is, or what we mean by that in our day and age, it's more about self-esteem. And so the pride, the sin of pride that we're going to look at tonight has, has nothing to do with self-esteem. It has more to do with self-infatuation. Where I like looking in the mirror and seeing what I see. I like looking around. I like looking at the title on the door of my office. I like looking at the degrees hanging on my... Because I think that there's something about that that adds value to who I am in other people's eyes. So it's not about self-esteem. It's about self-infatuation. And this sin, I think, is the good one that we start with. Because this sin really is something that almost predates the creation of human beings. We hear about this in, as we're told the stories of the archangel Lucifer. 
who in his pride said, I would rather be second, or I would rather be first chair on earth or in hell than I would be to be second fiddle to God in heaven. And he brings that same prideful arrogance to our first parents, Adam and Eve in the garden, when he contradicts God and says, you will not die if you eat of this tree. You will be like God. See how this pride begins to to get into all of these things. And our first parents ate and they began to, to, to make the determination between right and wrong of their own accord apart from God. And the Bible goes on and, and pride begins to be something that is talked about in Scripture over and over again. Whether it's Proverbs that tells us that pride goes before a fall. Or whether it's James that said God really opposes the proud. And there are examples of God opposing people who are proud, who are infatuated with themselves. Throughout Scripture, I mean, one of those is found in Daniel, where Nebuchadnezzar, who was the leader of the great empire at that time, Babylon, who had conquered most of the known world, including the people of Israel. And Nebuchadnezzar had built that great city of Babylon, one of the seven wonders of the world. And he was up there talking about, in some high place, looking down on his city, saying, look what I have done. Have I not built a mighty city? And as soon as the words leave his lips, he hears a voice from heaven that says, oh, but this is given and can be taken. And he enters into a seven-year period where the Bible describes a form of madness where he loses his logical abilities and he is out with the beast. It says he's eating grass like the oxen and just his hair and his fingernails and everything grow long. He loses it. And then in a moment of being lucid, he acknowledges God and things are restored. His sanity is restored. God opposes the proud. We, we see this in, in some of the teachings of Jesus because we can see that pride or self-infatuation is so sneaky and so slippery that sometimes it even attaches itself to good things. We see this prayer, uh, this, this, uh, this time of Jesus talking about uh, a farmer who has been blessed. And this is found in Luke chapter 12. And the Bible is very specific. If you want to read that, you can. It's Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. And Jesus, in telling the story, says, the ground of a certain farmer produced in abundance. And yet the farmer says, have I not been blessed? What shall I do with my crops? I know what I shall do. I will tear down my old barns and I will build bigger barns and then I will sit back and I'll take it easy and retire. It's, it's interesting that in the Greek language that Luke was written in, every time that word I was used, and it's five or six times, it's the word ego in Greek. And the first time that the word you is used is by God who says, you fool. 
your life is limited, and today's the last day. Now what will happen? Pride can get into the things that God blesses us with. Pride can even get into our religious behaviors. Do you know this? Like we're going to be, across community church, we're going to be so much more humble than First Assembly across the street. You hear that? Good intentions. That's why Jesus tells a story about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And now I know the Pharisees get a bad rap, but the Pharisees were these, this group of, of Jews who really believed that if we would just follow the law that Moses gave us, then God would restore us to a good place. And so, They set out to do this over and over, and yet in this one Pharisee that Jesus mentions in this parable, the Pharisee and the tax collector, the tax collector were those Jews who had, you know, basically were stabbing their own country and people in the back by partnering with the Romans to take taxes from their brothers and sister Jews. And they both enter in, and the tax collector can't even lift his head, but says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the Pharisee, who has done good and is is all about being righteous and following the law to the letter, says, I'm so glad I'm not like this tax collector. Listen to all the things I do, God. And Jesus says, it was the tax collector who went away with his sins forgiven. Pride can sneak in into all of these different areas. Sometimes, those people who are most helpful, now not all the time, but sometimes the people who are the helpers can be some of the ones who are most prideful. What do I, why do I say that? Because pride always has an element of earning to it. That if I just do enough, I will earn something of God. I will earn esteem. I will earn this. And so sometimes pride can even get into our wanting to help others. That there's something we get out of it. Before I go too far, pastors are not exempt from this. I remember when my professor said, you've got to have a little bit of ego to stand up in front of people every Sunday and say, thus says says the Lord. And so we need to be honest and, and even as pastors say, oh God, show me my prideful ways. That's why I read for us, instead of the gospel passage that we have, which we just did in our previous service, but you can see where Jesus was talking about that we, when we do these things, we do them in secret, these good things. Because it's so easy for pride to get a hold of us, even when we're giving to the poor, or when we're praying, or when we're fasting. But I wanted us to see at the heart the passage that I read for us tonight. Because I believe it gets at the heart of why pride can get a hold in our hearts. Because in every part of pride, there is this sense of earning. 
And so Jesus' baptism, I want us to hear the words that God says to Jesus as He comes up out of the water. He says, This is My Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. Then it moves directly into temptation. And what's the first thing that the tempter says to Jesus. If you are the Son of God. Well, didn't the voice just tell him that he was? And that he was loved? And that God was well pleased with him? So the tempter tempts him into some prideful things. Look at these. The first one, if you are the Son of God. Tell these stones to become bread. You see, pride can sometimes be to do a spectacular service. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? Curing world hunger? I mean, how many rocks are there? How much bread could there be? Here's this young 30-year-old guy who hasn't done anything to make his mark on the world. Surely spectacular service would be the way. But Jesus chooses not to prove if He's the Son of God. He rests in His belovedness that the voice affirmed that He is the Son of God. And He is loved. And God is well pleased with Him. And He says, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He's not telling the, the Satan that people need to read their Bibles more. What's the words of God that were spoken? You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. He can let go of the prideful, spectacular service because he rests in the fact that the voice that God himself has said, he is beloved. So Satan moves on and says, okay, well maybe spectacular service didn't trip him up with pride. So we'll move on to spectacular action. Throw yourself off the temple mount in front of everybody and the angels will come and they'll swoop you out. Can you imagine how awesome that would be? One moment in horror that somebody is is jumping off a giant wall and then angels swoop down and pick him up and land him without touching his foot on a stone somewhere in the in the, in the church service. That would be amazing. But Jesus chooses again, not the pride of the spectacular action, but to rest in what the voice has said to Him. I don't need to tempt the Lord my God. I already know that I am His Son, whom He loves. He is well pleased with me. The last temptation that the devil tries to get him in in this idea of pride is maybe I could have spectacular things and that would prove that I am who the voice said I am. And he says, no. No, away from me, Satan. Accuser, away from me, tempter. I am going to rest in what the voice. I am going to worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. The One who assured me 
that I am his son, the one he loves, and that he is well pleased with me. Jesus resists the temptation of the sin of pride by resting in his belovedness. And the good news is, brothers and sisters, because of what Jesus has done, that voice now says to you and to me, this is my child, whom I love so much that I sent my one and only Son, that whoever believes on Him should never perish, but have life everlasting. And I am not just in love with my child, but I am pleased with them. And so you and I are called to rest in our belovedness. That God is well pleased. And therefore we can say no to the tempter who would tempt us into spectacular service or spectacular actions or spectacular things. Again, because I want this to be a season of inspection and introspection, I want to share, again, pastors are not immune to this. We can be just as guilty of longing for that spectacular service where everything just went well and thousands of people gave their hearts to Jesus. And if only that would happen, then I would prove that I was beloved. Instead of starting from, no, I've heard the voice, I've experienced the love of God. It says He is pleased. And I'm His child. Where does this hit you? Maybe for you, you're on the verge of of being someone that God will oppose because of pride. And you think so highly of yourself or what you have done or what you have accomplished. Maybe that's where Jesus comes and sits next to you and inspects in your life. And over this season of Lent is going to take you through some time of introspection to find out why that is. Are you emphasizing yourself because there's a lack of true knowledge of how deeply God loves you? Maybe for some of you, you began with God loves me. But now you're trying in some way to show that that's true and you're doing it in many good ways. Maybe it's how you read the Bible, you're so awesome at that. Or how you, how often you pray or how much you give or how much you come to church or how much you serve other people. And if you were really to listen to the loving Savior today who comes and sits beside you and points out something to you, he might say, but there's some pride that's there. And you're trying to earn what you already have through me. I'm not sure where that hits you. But I know that there are some things that we can do. One we'll do tonight. 
And that is to receive ashes. Did you know that the ashes that we place on the forehead, traditionally within the church, those ashes are made by burning the dried out palm fronds from Palm Sunday the year before. Think about the symbolism of that. Hosanna, the one who comes in the name of the Lord, worshiping. This is our King. We're so excited. And those same people see those joys and the symbolism of the kingly palm fronds burned because their desires, didn't, their pride did not let them see the true Savior who was coming in riding on a donkey, not a horse, whose throne was a cross, not a gilded chair. We take these on to remind ourselves Life is limited. And pride, one of the ways that we, that God deals with that is, and resists that and pushes back on that is to remind us lovingly of our limited time. So I want to send us out with some things that we can do. Things that allow for that introspective time to take place. And so if you're kind of feeling the ow of pride, that's Jesus' loving inspection. For the time of introspection, here are some things that you can do during this season of Lent. We'll have some of these for each service. One, maybe you'll want to do what I did today. My brother went with me today. We went to the grave of my dad. Today is the 8th anniversary of His limited mortality coming to an end. We went and first we had to find it in the snowbank and dig it out and spend some time thanking God and being grateful for the gift of my dad, that limited time that we had. But there's something about being there, not in a morbid sense, because I know that My last breath here on earth is my first in the presence of Jesus. The real presence of Jesus. But in that sense of, this is where the journey goes. God, help me not to be so prideful as to to think the words of, you will not die. And may it enliven the gift of each breath that I take. The next one, and maybe a little easier during the months of February and March, is what I call the sitting with Jesus prayer. And that means you carve out some time. And this is a little difficult. So maybe this week you just want to start with five minutes. And maybe next week you increase it to seven minutes. And maybe after that you try ten minutes. And maybe after that you try twelve minutes. Beyond twelve minutes, it gets really tough. But the only thing you are going to do, and this arrests our pride of wanting to do something spectacular for Jesus, is to simply sit somewhere quiet and tell Jesus, I just want to be here with you. And then you're quiet. No flowery speech. No Lord's Prayer. No working yourself up. 
just sitting with the intention of being with the One who says, this is My child whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. And I'll tell you something. Your mind is going to race out to all those spectacular serving things that you have to do this day and all those spectacular actions that you need to do at work and all those things. And the moment that your mind is over there going towards those spectacular things, you're not going to shame your mind. You're not going to say, oh, that's so prideful. You're not going to do that. You are simply going to say the name of Jesus and let it bring you back to sitting in His presence not needing to do anything, but to simply receive that you are a child of His and He loves you and He is pleased with you. If five minutes is too long, do two minutes. It's okay. This is about letting Jesus, sitting with Jesus, and letting Him take you through the why pride has found a home in your soul. And that's why we're singing the song that we sing. Isn't the name of Jesus beautiful and powerful and wonderful? Isn't it in the name that we find strength and freedom and healing? Brothers and sisters, in this night together, I want you to know that while pride may be personal and pervasive and poisonous. Sin is serious, but it is not superior to the work that Jesus will do in your life. Would you bow your heads? Lord Jesus, we come to You tonight. And we want to allow You to do the work of inspection in our hearts. So tonight, if pride has found its way into our soul, we pray that You would help us to hear Your voice, Your loving, gentle, merciful, forgiving voice. Calling that out in our hearts. And we pray that over the season of Lent, we will embrace the gift of our mortality and we will allow you to do the introspective work in our hearts and our morality. Teach us to call on your name. Help us to find in your name, our belovedness, being called out. Help us during this season, we pray in your name. And so this is from 1 Thessalonians. Receive this benediction. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Holy, completely. Greek words. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless 
at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. The one who calls you is faithful. And He will do it. The one who calls you is faithful. And He will do it. I pray this in the name of the Father who is for you. In the name of the Son who is with you. And in the name of the Spirit who is in you. One God forever and ever. Amen. Go in His name. Bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.